So if you have your Bibles, find the book of Job, and don't get worried, it's a good word. You say Job, and everybody goes, oh, sweet Jesus. When you preach on Job, sometimes it's hard. Find Job, and I'm going to be reading, I believe, somewhere, I believe it's Job 17. All right, so just find Job 17. It'll be just a passage there in just a minute. You all know it's the last Sunday here, so I wanted to uh, share a word that I thought would be appropriate for our last gathering here at this location. You know, for those of you who may not know, and I'll just cover it one more time, um, Legacy has had an incredible journey. Um, Some of you have been actually to all of these stops. And some of you were not here, but I'm just going to walk through it right now. We, as a church, started, some of you will remember, at the Hampton Inn. (laughs) Andrea remembers the Hampton Inn. We were there for a number, right down at the end of uh, 526, we were there for a number of Sundays at the Hampton Inn as we were kind of getting our ducks in a row. Some of you remember meeting out at the Fort Johnson Civic Center, which I always smile when I think of it as the Fort Johnson Civic Center. It's, it's, it's a, like a 60 by 60 cinder block building with linoleum on the floor. It's not exactly what you imagine as a civic center, but that's where we met. Hey, Legacy One next to Hay Tire over there. Remember Legacy One? The roof didn't work and we had a torrential rain and it caved in on one side and there was a whole row on one side of the church that was baptized that morning. I mean, it gushed through and baptized the people. And then, and then some of you were at Legacy 2 on Sam Rittenberg. We spent a lot of years at Legacy 2 at Sam Rittenberg. In fact, a decade, believe it or not. And then uh, we went to the Crown Plaza, spent two years at Crown Plaza. And believe it or not, we've spent two years here. That does, it, just, it didn't seem that long to me. Uh, maybe it has seemed longer to others. But two years, and, and it's just been really... Uh, an incredible journey. There have been ups and there have been downs. There have been mountaintops and there have been valleys. There's been laughter. There's been tears. Uh, there's been just about every emotion imaginable uh, that I know I've gone through, and I can only assume many of you have gone through some of those same, same feelings. But the day has arrived for us to turn the page, and we're going to begin a new chapter And every one of those transitions that I just mentioned to you, certainly embedded within that transition was the feeling that God was up to something good. And indeed He was. In fact, we can look back, I can look back, and in every one of those transitions, we believed God to be doing something important. He was doing something awesome and uh, he was doing something. Of course, what we define as awesome may not be the same as God defines as awesome. You know, when he takes you through a wilderness time and he's squeezing stuff out of you, you're not thinking that's awesome, but God's saying awesome. That's awesome. You're dying to self. That's awesome. Now, we don't define it that way, do we? No, we're going, this is killing me. I thought I was going to get something really good. He's killing me. No, but God, God has done awesome things. And hear me when I say this. 
He's going to do the same thing for us this time. You say he's going to kill us? No, 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 no. No, he doesn't kill you every time. But, but you've got to believe that what he has for us is good. And I sense that this transition is going to be far more significant and far more reaching than any previous transition. Now, I have no evidence for any of this. I have nothing to tell you that can give you a guarantee that God's going to do something off the chain, off the chart, except that I just sense some things in my heart. You know, the last couple of transitions that we made as a church, we made it because we had to. We just had to. We don't have to this time. I mean, we can, we can stay at 2 o'clock. We can all sleep late, come in, and uh, we can do a work uh, to whatever extent that can be done, but we don't have to do this. But this time, out of a conviction and a vision, I believe that the heart of God is telling us transition because something is going to happen that you're going to have to be where you're going to be located in order to do what I've asked you to do. And so I think what I want to share with you today, if you have ears to hear, I think it's important. Because, because God is just asking us together as a body, and it's a simple vision, to make his name great. Make his name great. Everything we do to make his name great. That, he, that he's going to give us a hundred points of light, a hundred ministry areas that are going to begin to develop and be birthed that will be a point of light that will be making his name great. You know that my burden is to protect, to pass, and to perpetuate the faith because we are living in adverse times. I wrote some of these words down. I posted it on social media. It comes to me sometimes late at night. For example, what will your family tree look like three generations from now? Have you ever thought about that? Will it be firmly planted in the house of the Lord? Will the Christian faith be vibrant and important? Will the generational blessing be passed to your progeny? You've made plans for retirement. You've created an inheritance for the kids. But have you thought about your legacy? Your children and grandchildren may have some money, but will they have your faith? Do you have a plan? Are you being intentional? Do you understand what that's going to take, and do you comprehend what's at stake? A hundred years from now, should Jesus tarry, these questions will be answered for all of our lives. The spiritual condition of yours and my future lineage is being determined in no small measure by what we will do today. Is that of concern? Because it should be. Now, hear me when I say this. I, I, I love Charleston and something has changed in me and I'm grateful for that. But I know historically in Charleston, this city has received some of the greatest voices in Christian history, to speak to it. Whitfield came to this city. George Whitfield was the voice of the first great awakening who rode from colony to colony, literally God using him to become the rope which would tie the colonies together and out of that would birth the United States of America. God used a preacher to birth America. And, and Whitfield came here to Charleston with the, the awakening on his lips, preaching it. 
And the pastors of the city were so aggravated at him that they had him thrown in jail on a trumped-up charge. And he sat there for three or four days until they finally bailed him out and he went to John's Island and a church was established out there by his ministry. That's Charleston's reputation, basically. The Wesley brothers came here. They were not well-received. Charles wrote in his journals that he felt like it was one of the worst places he had ever seen in the South with regards to the treatment of slaves. He gave some anecdotal stories. And I'm here to tell you it was terrible, absolutely terrible. And, and, and Charleston would not listen to the Wesleys. You know we're about ready to participate in a great way the old Anson Street Revival of 1857, which literally was the well Jeremiah Lanfear drank from in order to start the third great awakening in America was right here in Charleston. It only lasted eight weeks. I don't know why it only lasted eight weeks. I have my suspicions because I've lived in this city now for 20 years. But I'm here to tell you that Charleston has had incredible opportunities to have impactful, meaningful, uh, revival, awakening, I think in, in a measure disproportionate really to our importance why would god choose charleston well i'm telling you for whatever reason he has chosen charleston he still has it on his mind and i believe he has something that he wants to do and here's the question will there be a people who will come together that however god decides to do that will purpose themselves in order to dig that out and to say we will we will labor in that effort and whether we be small or whether we be large has nothing to do with the labor. For Jesus said, if there be but two or three who gather in my name, there I can be. I will be in their midst. But the question is, are we willing to, to do that? And, and what, what, is our, what is our inheritance as a church in that regard? I, I just... I'm not trying to, to, to declare something arrogantly or to declare something too, too exceedingly great, but I'm here, I, just, I can't escape it that God has something for us to do in this regard, that we are not here just because we want a good church. We are here because we have some kind of an impact that needs to happen in this city that will reverberate out to the globe. I just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just crazy enough in this absolutely obscure moment there's not a, we don't, you can just look around. I mean, it's not like there's thousands of people sitting here. And yet I believe in its nascent form, God is doing this in us. Which is why I believe this next moment is so critical. And I've just entitled it, Turn the Page. Turn the Page. As we're moving from this location to this new, new location, it's time we turn the page. I want everybody to say that with me. Say, turn the page. One more time. Say, turn the page. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Say, I'm going to turn the page. Now, not just with your church. I'm going to turn the page in my life. There's some things, all of us, individually, personally, as well as corporately, we need to turn the page. I want to read Job 17, verse 9. Listen to what Job says in the middle of his adversity. Job 17, verse 9. He says this. The righteous keep moving forward, and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. Isn't that amazing? 
Since it's on the screen, let's read that together, shall we? Let's just make that a confession together. The righteous keep moving forward and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. And he's saying that right in the middle of the greatest adversity he would ever face. Sometimes I think life is like a book. Whether it's a church or a personal life, I think your journey can be compared to the cadence and the flow of an amazing best-selling book. Now, the chapters of everybody's journey can be interesting. Some of our chapters are challenging, aren't they? Some are painful. Some unexpected. Some chapters are pleasurable. They're happy. Some are sad. Isn't it true? Some of the chapters of a book have a plot twist. There's an unusual turn. There could be any one of a hundred, I suppose, feelings or emotions that we could define a chapter with. Think about the chapters of your life so far. Some of you are younger. Some of you are older. Some of you have more chapters. Some of you have less chapters. But as you begin to define your chapters, aren't they interesting chapters? But there's always a moment when one chapter ends and another chapter begins. And in order for that to happen, one must Turn the page. Now, no one, I suspect, knew better than our biblical friend Job here. Job had experienced unbelievable, favorable chapters in his life. If you read the first chapter of the book of Job and you read how wealthy Job was, the things that he had at his disposal, this guy was mega rich. And all of a sudden, something happens. He experiences these incredibly painful, challenging chapters. At one moment, he has more wealth than anybody on the planet. More wealth than any of us could imagine if we were to translate it into today's terms. But then it seems like something happened beyond his control. Indeed, it was somewhat beyond his control. That he loses it all. And he not only loses all of his wealth and his holdings, but he loses his marriage, he loses his family, he loses most of his friends. It's amazing how everybody wants to hang around you when you have something. When you don't have anything, they don't want to hang around you anymore. And it wasn't even his fault. Now, interestingly interestingly about Job is, is that the end of the story, we see that Job ends up recovering everything that he lost in even greater form. But I think some of the keys to Job's restoration are found hidden in the chapters in the middle of the book. And one of those keys to Job's life is what I just read to you in the text. And that is, no matter what happens in your life, or no matter what happens in our life as, as a corporate church, the righteous just keep moving forward. Sometimes the only thing you can do is just keep walking forward. Just keep moving forward. You may not have answers, it may not make sense, you may not know what else to do, but you're just moving forward. You just keep walking through the chapter. You're in the cruddiest chapter of your life. What do you do? You just keep getting through the chapter. How? By turning the page. Turning the page. Until the day finally arrives when you turn the page and the chapter changes. Now, I believe the Lord told me to tell you, to tell us as a church, 
This isn't just teaching God's word. I'll tell you this. Today, you know, most of the time pastor comes preaching expositionally or textually, and I want to teach you God's word. This is, this is a portion of scripture. Let's teach it. Let's find out what God's saying here. Let me impart or download to you what the precepts are in that particular chapter. And I'm happy to do it. And most of the time, that's what I do. But today, God told me as a pastor, as your pastor, that, that there are some things to tell your people, even prophetically, that they need to hear, and this is really it in synopsis form. It is time we turned the page. We turned the page. Now let's define what turning the page is. I wrote these things down here quickly. Turning the page first means to stop thinking or dealing with something or somebody. I'm just defining four. I'm going to end up giving you four things here. But the first one is to stop thinking or dealing with something or somebody. I thought this interesting. You know, when a doctor, when a physician, let's say, has a patient that he's working on, and, and, and I'm sure it's, it's a heart-wrenching thing for doctors to lose a patient, especially like, let's say, you work in an ER. But, but a doctor loses a patient, and, and while that is heart-wrenching, and I'm sure... There's all sorts of emotions that go through a doctor. There, there's a moment that the doctor says, I, I feel terrible that I lost this patient. But the doctor, hear me, it's not that he didn't care, he didn't love, but he has to turn the page because there's another patient that's there waiting on him. And he can't pine over the one that he lost because he has to go to the one that still needs him. Now this may affect you in a different way than me, but I'll just say seeing people leave a ministry... Or seeing people leave a church can be traumatizing, at least it is for me, because you love people. You invest in people, you journey with people. And sometimes, and I, I know this, that God leads people to new places and there's new seasons and it, it may not involve you. And that's kind of the normal flow of life and you have to leave those leadings into the hands of God. But hear me when I say this, that sometimes, just like a physician, when we lose people and that's heartbreaking... You have to realize that, that you, can't, you can't stand over one that's been lost. You have to continue to go after the next patient that needs you. The Lord is saying we have to turn the page and concentrate on those that God says need you. Turn the page to stop thinking or dealing with something or some, somebody. That's one of the definitions, I believe, of turning the page. Number two is this, to begin or to behave in a more positive way after a period of difficulty. Now, if you've been in a, a tough chapter, and if it's been challenging, even painful, there comes a moment that when you define turning the page, what that means is, is that how I felt, how I thought, my emotions, my perspective, uh, my general worldview, in that chapter, good or bad, right or wrong, it's for that chapter, I now have to turn the page. Because now it's in another chapter. And I'm telling you, now we're in a chapter that we have to turn from any fear to faith. It's time to act in a manner consistent with God's goodness and blessing rather than waiting for the next shoe to drop. There's a new chapter. And, and there are great things and God has them. And yeah, I understand all the other chapters. I've lived every chapter that Legacy has had. I don't know if anyone else has been through every chapter, but I've been here for all of them. And I'm just here to tell you that those chapters had their moments, but this is a chapter 
that we're going to have to begin believing God is who God says he is. And that last chapter isn't going to affect this chapter. Now the third thing is to define it. I defined it as to make a fresh start. Turning a page means to make a fresh start or to move on to new involvement or activity. Now, you all know I'm not saying anything you don't know. I'm just saying it out loud so it's no longer the elephant in the room. But because of our venues and because of where we met and because of schedules and all sorts of things, ministry has been challenging. It's been challenging to start things up. It's been challenging to maintain things. But we need to turn the page on our schedules. Hear me when I'm saying this. You've got to turn the page on your scheduling. You've got to turn the page on your prioritizing. You've got to turn the page on what has happened maybe the last four years. And you've got to say to yourself, man, we've got a location. We're back to the right time. We're back to our own venue. We're back to plenty of room. We're back to offering ministry areas. I've got to be involved. I've got to sink my life into it. You know, I've had a couple years here where I could just kind of do what I wanted to do because it was all kind of challenging and nobody expected me anywhere or any place. Place. now is the time i've got to sink myself into the house of the lord and the ministry and the vision and i can become a part of that i got to turn the page from what was to now what is turn the page and then the last thing i put down here turning the page is to bring a difficult period to a close and begin a completely new period with new vision new hopes and new dreams now, I can say this without faking it, that I've never been infused. I mean this honestly. It, it, you know, like anything, you wish you could have said this, you know, 20 years ago, but I can say it without faking it now. I've never been more infused with greater vision, greater hope, and greater possibility than I am right now. And I love you all, and, and I'm so glad you're here. And I want you to stay here and remain here, but I'm at the place now that if it was me and Pastor T, and I could probably talk Pastor Brad into hanging around, and if it was just us three, and I know there'd be more than that, I'd keep Wally around because, you know, Wally's just been there the whole time, and there are others. I'm not, I, I could name you all, so I don't want to even make it sound like it wouldn't, all of you. I'm just simply saying internally, I'm saying I could go with two or three, and it wouldn't stop me from going ahead and going forward because there's something new it's just happening. So I want to give you seven things. This is really the seven things that I believe Legacy Church must embrace to turn the page. Seven things we must embrace to turn the page into our next chapter. Number one is this. You must want to turn the page. You must want to turn the page. Now, I can't make you want You've got to want it. Life is full of shocks, surprises, obstacles. There's no way around it. There are going to be chapters in your own life that are going to be challenging. But in the last analysis, no matter what you may have faced, no matter what you're currently facing, you have to want to go forward. You must want to turn the page. God's will for you are in the pages that have yet to be turned, not the ones you've already read. You hear, you hear that? That's a tweetable moment. God's will for you isn't in those past chapters. That might have been his will at that time, but his will now is ahead in the new chapters that are ahead. When you feel stuck, it may be that you need to rekindle your desire to get a page turned. 
The quickest way to get unstuck sometimes is to turn some pages. That's number one. You got to want it. Do you want to turn a page? God is giving us a moment to turn a page. Number two, you must believe that a better chapter awaits. We must believe that it's not only possible, but it's the will of God to improve our life and circumstance. Few critical or negative people ever move forward in life. You know that, don't you? Critical, negative people just can't move forward. And God is weeding that stuff out from our midst, just like he had to weed it out of the Israelites. You know why he had to weed out a generation? Because there was only about three of them that had a perspective that could get into the promised land, and he had to weed out everyone else. That's what God does. He weeds that out so he can finally find a people who will say with Joshua and Caleb, say, we are well able. God is able. He can do it. We shall not die. We shall live. We shall live to declare the glory of our God. We shall live to make his name great. Others may die and others may faint, but I shall not. In Job's own life, think about this. In Job's own life, all of these things go wrong. And everybody starts, his kids die. His wife says, you ought to curse God and die. Isn't that a happy wife? She was, she was a source of pessimism. So what happened? God had to carve her out of his life. Curse God and die, she said. To move forward, you must believe that there's a better day ahead. I believe there's a better day ahead. I believe there's great days ahead. I believe our greater days are ahead. I believe the glory of the latter house is greater than the former. I believe the next temple is going to just explode in glory. I believe that. You say, I don't know. Well, then don't know. I know. Because I'm turning a page. You keep in your chapter, but keep your chapter to yourself. Hear me. Because we ain't reading the last chapter anymore. We're turning a page, writing and reading God's new chapter. Number three, you have to quit reading past chapters. There, I just said it. I believe it's a principle that you can't go to the next chapter. You can't turn the page to the next season until you're ready to stop reading past chapters. Now, just by way of analysis i find that divorced people at times are particularly susceptible to this i'm just giving you an illustration people get stuck in their time period they rehearse they rewind this old chapter and they're wanting to somehow read that chapter and go over that chapter and what about that chapter and and it's the chapter's done turn the page it's time to quit saying what could have been there and time to say what yet does god have for me It's time, here's what I believe. I believe it's time for us to see who new friends can be in this new chapter. Who might God put in your life in this new chapter? What possibility awaits in the new chapter? Because you already know every detail in the last chapter and that detail isn't changing. So what does this mean? I'm just telling you these are things God's been speaking in me. I am done rereading James Island Christian Church. I'm done rereading it. I'm just done. I don't know that I had been doing it a lot, but I'm just saying it out loud. I'm done because that's a chapter and it had a place in my life, but that's a done chapter. The G12 chapter is a done chapter. The Wilmington church plant is a done chapter. 
My association with the Evangel Fellowship, that's a past chapter. My Indiana traveling is a done chapter. I know what I was supposed to learn. I know what God was saying. I've got it, but it's a done chapter. The hotel chapters. The land chapter. Those are chapters. And I'm not, I'm get to why they're there, but I'm telling you, it is time to turn the page because we can't keep rereading old chapters. Are you looking back to a past chapter in order because you secretly desire, want to go back to that? Because that's the only thing reading a past chapter does is that it makes you long for that chapter. Ever notice when you look back, it always looks better than it probably was. I always find that interesting. You look back at some painful chapter and you, and you reread it years later and you say, well, was it as bad as I really thought? And it's because naturally we forget the bad and we tend to remember the good. But hear me when I'm saying it. Yes, it was that bad. That's the enemy messing with your mind, telling you to stay stuck where you are. He wants you to keep rereading past chapters so you'll remain paralyzed where you are. I'm telling you, God's telling you to turn the page. Number four. We must retain the lessons of our prior chapters, but release the pain of it. I believe there's a reason for everything we face and everything we walk through life. Because my Bible says that my steps are being ordered by God, and that means He leads me places. That while they're tough places and even painful places, they're ultimately placed there for my good. I have to believe that. So if I ever mention to you a prior chapter, from this point on, in an illustration, I want you to know that it's not because I'm rereading a chapter, it's because probably there's an illustration of a lesson that I will never forget out of that chapter in my life. I cannot lose the lessons of all the hard chapters because I don't want to relearn those lessons in these future chapters. But I'm here to tell you that the pain of those chapters is gone. We turn the page because there's other chapters to step into and we take the lessons and we take the wisdom that those chapters birth and we take them with us, not being paralyzed by it, but being wise because of it. And so we release it. Saying, God, it was your work in my life. I appreciate your work in my life, but now I accept your lessons. I'm a teachable person I'm turning the page. Number five, you must realize that nothing happens until you turn the page. God will not write a new chapter and nothing will start moving until you decide you're turning a page. That means you must turn the page from your old mentalities, your old attitudes, your old mindsets, your old ways. I don't know anyone else but pastor that can say this to us. And that is that whatever was is gone. We turn the page. I moved, interestingly, I moved when I was in high school. I went to four different high schools in uh, my time period. It was, I moved three times, but in those three moves, I actually went to four high schools. Can you imagine being a kid going through high school? High school is only four years anyway. And can you imagine going to four high schools in your four years? And, uh, you know, it it had to happen. It wasn't optimum. And I remember how terrible I thought that was until the very last time we moved. I remember we were moving for the last time. It would would be what would become my last high school. I actually went there uh, about two-thirds through my junior year. So I went a third of my junior year and the rest of my senior year at the final high school. But But I caught on to something by that time because 
because there was the pain of having to pick up and move and you were leaving friends you just made and it was just it was hard to do that but something something kicked into me going to that last high school and it was this i realized that by going to that new place i was being given the opportunity to change who i was what i was and how people might perceive me now that that, that didn't mean i was to be fake it just means that if there was something I didn't like about myself, that I could change that and go into that next high school and not do that anymore. That's actually a great gift. That you could be looked at a certain way. You know what happens in high school. High schoolers, you know, they, 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 they see something they see in another person and then they pigeonhole you in it. And then for the next four years, that's who you are. And there's a gift in this moment where you get to be pulled out of that and you get to go into another high school and suddenly people who know nothing about you will begin to surmise certain things concerning you and you have the opportunity to change anything that needed changing. Now hear me when I say this. God's giving us this wonderful opportunity that as we begin to turn this page, we get to reboot life. We get to reboot church. We don't have to do it the same way. I used to say this to people all the time. You know, you can change your physical location, but if you don't really change who you are, what happens is, is that as you're putting all your furniture on your U-Haul truck and you're going down the road and you're changing your location, the same demons that plagued you in the last location jump on the back of that U-Haul truck and they follow you to your new location. So just changing the location doesn't fix it all but you and us changing this location gives us the ability to turn the page we don't have to be the four lepers who sat at the gate and say shall we sit here till we die we get to change the page we get to turn the page and nothing will ever happen until we do that number six you'll never know what's in the next chapter until you get in it interesting the reason god gives no guarantees with regards to the next chapters in our life is because he wants to be sure that you see him as the guarantee did you hear that you say what's going to happen when we go over there well this this this, i don't know what'll happen the only guarantee i have is this god is there he's my guarantee Now, I have certain anxieties, as you might imagine, about transitioning and moving. But here's the bottom line. He's my guarantee. And I either trust him, and we all really just have to trust him, or it's all just theory. Otherwise, we just preach and teach and walk and do life, and it's all just wonderful theory, and it's a nice little precept, and we say our little trite sayings. But then there comes a moment when God actually, actually asks a people t- to do the Hebrews eleven six through 8, where Abraham, in order to receive an inheritance, went to a land that he knew not, not knowing where he was going. Can you imagine Abraham picking everything up, and everybody's going, where are you going, Abraham? I don't know. I don't know. And they're all going... Yeah, God bless Abraham. And yet he made it into Hebrews chapter 11, didn't he? I'm believing and standing in faith for some mighty big promises to be made manifest at our new location. 
And there's nothing wrong with dreaming big, believing big, declaring the word of the Lord, declaring what you feel like you're seeing and you're hearing. But here's the truth we must all embrace, and it's this. There are no guarantees. I can't write out some script in advance. We all know you can't make anybody do anything they don't want to do. So here's all we're left with. We just trust God. And God is never in your passivity. God is in your action. God is in your faith. Faith is an action. Faith isn't that you believe right. Faith is that you act on what you believe. Everybody probably in the room believes right, but it doesn't, it doesn't count for faith until you do it. It doesn't count until you make the step. It doesn't count until you write the check. It doesn't count until you do the deed. It doesn't count. Faith, we can believe all the right things. The devils believe. Do you understand the devils are the greatest word of faith people? Because they believe all the right stuff. They just won't act and obey it. Faith becomes faith when you do it. And that's why it looks weird to the world. Because the world could care less what you believe. The world just wants to know what you'll act on. Then lastly, seven. And this was, this was one that was important. And I think it's true. That you must release people in your life who want to keep reading past chapters. There are some people that will always want to wave the last chapters in your face. Came across Psalm 1-1. Got to read this psalm. I'm, I'm finishing. Number seven's it and we're done. Listen to what Psalm 1-1 says. It says, blessed is the man. How many of you would like to be blessed? I want to be blessed. So he says here, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now this is what he says. If you want to be blessed, we're turning a page, right? We're going to a new chapter, right? We want to walk in God's blessing, right? So this is what the word says. In order for me to be blessed, in order to be blessed in this new chapter, I have to decide who I'm going to sit with and who I'm going to listen to. Because there are going to be those who are scornful. And I'm always careful, and I have been through the years on this. I haven't preached and beat people with the Absalom story. I haven't beat people with... with Alexander the coppersmith stories or Demas stories. I haven't beat people at all with all of these characters in the scripture who were actually characters that, uh, that had left Paul. But listen to me, Paul, some of them left Paul and some of them Paul had to leave. But the reason all of these disconnections happen is because you can't have people continually wanting to read out of a past chapter when you're turning a page going into a new chapter. And, and God says himself in his word that that blessed is the man who will not sit in the seat of the scornful. We cannot sit in the seat of those who scorn what it is God's trying to do in us. Now, I love everybody. I bless everybody. May everybody be blessed that has ever come through our ranks or whatever the case may be. But I'm here to tell you that I am not listening to those voices that have decreed death over us. We shall not die. We shall live. We're not going under. We're going over. God has not called us. So we would be the mockery he has called us so his name might be made great. And I will not sit in the seat of those who will mock you as a people. Mock us as a church. Or scorn us. Blessed is the man who will not sit in the seat of the scornful. I won't do it. I won't even, I won't even do it in other ministries. I won't hear it. I don't want to hear it anymore. Everybody's, 
Everybody's just such a wise in their own eyes. I don't want to hear it anymore. I want to be blessed. And I'm blessed when I turn the page and I begin to believe God and what God has said for us and for me and for what He has for all of us together. So you're going to have to choose on, on, on the voices that you hear. Because I'm telling you, there are going to be voices that will, that will keep trying to pull you back into past chapters. And you're just going to have to say, you know what? That chapter that chapter's done, gone, over. Read that chapter. I'm writing the new one. We're going to the end. We're going to the latter house, not the former one. We're going to the latter days. The latter reign. That's what we're going to. And in order to get there, you've got to turn the page. Martin Luther King said this. <laughs> I like it. Dr. Martin Luther King said, if you can't fly, you need to run. If you can't run, you need to walk. If you can't walk, you need to crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Moving forward. The righteous will always move forward. Heavenly Father, I ask you right now in Jesus' name, as we conclude this chapter, that, Lord, that we would, we would receive every good lesson that you would want us to have. And, Lord, I may not know them all at the moment, but I'm quite sure you're well able to get it inside of me. And I want it. I want every lesson. I want every truth. I, I, I want to know everything. Show me. Show me about me. Show me about us. Show me what we need to know. Because, Lord, we want those lessons. We want, we, we, we want those seasons, those chapters to have been of effect in our life. But, Lord, as I say that right now in the name of Jesus, why don't you just stand with me for a moment? Why don't we do that? Why don't you just stand with me for a moment? And, 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 if you trust me, and I, I, I believe you do, I just want to lead you into something. I know you don't know exactly what I'm going to say, but just, just, bear, just flow with it for a moment. I want you to say, in the name of Jesus, I make a choice <laughs> to close those chapters behind me as being read and done. I appreciate the lessons. Appreciate the people. I appreciate all the God work that was accomplished in those chapters. I don't despise it. I receive it as from you. But Lord, I make the choice at this last service to turn the page. I'm turning the page. This is the moment on September the 3rd, say it, that I'm turning a page. A new chapter is before me. A new chapter for my own life and for my church's life. It's a brand new chapter with brand new adventures, with brand new possibilities, brand new people. Brand new ministry. Brand new miracles. It's a good day.
and you've got great things. And I'm going to see it because I'm turning the page into this season. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Think about that for just a moment. What is it that you need that you need to turn the page? If, if there's, hey, listen, if you're carrying offenses, unforgiveness, bitternesses, disappointments, unfairness, injustice, misunderstandings, whatever it is, this is your moment. Because if you make, only you can make this choice and you're going to choose whether or not you're going to carry all those past chapters into a new chapter when you have an opportunity right now to just say, you know what, Lord, it's in your hands and I just choose to turn the page. I'm turning the page. Listen, pastor is turning the page. I sure want everybody to be on the same page. But you'll only be on the same page. You'll only get on my page. Listen to me. I want you on my page because my page is the page that I'm turning to. If you say, well, you need to get on my page, your page is a chapter I've already been to. Hear me. I love you, but I'm not getting on that page. I'm turning the page to get in a new chapter. I want you to come and join the chapter. I want you to come and join that journey and say, this is my day. Next Sunday, we're going to meet early in the morning. It may rock our world <laughs> in a new location with new possibilities, and the minute we walk in that door, we're walking into that chapter. That's really quite remarkable. Think about that. How are you going to walk in to that door? How are you going to walk in? How, how are you going to come into that service? How are you going to come into that intercession time? How are you going to come into that moment? How are you going to come in? Are you, are you going to come in with the baggage of all those chapters, or are you going to come in saying, I've turned the page? I've turned the page. So Jesus, now you do your work. I just deliver mail. Lord, let your people open it, read it, apply it to their life. And Lord, I want them, I know you want them more than I, to be blessed as a people and for us to be blessed as a church. I believe, Lord, those days, <laughs> mega blessings coming. We honor you, Jesus. In your name we pray. And all the people said, Amen. Give the Lord a big hand. Come on.